everyone, how's it going? Welcome to the Know Your Gear podcast number 271. I hope everybody had a fantastic week. I always sound so official when I start the show. It's like, hey, it's Phil. <laughs> I don't know why I do it. I think that's why people on the radio always talk so authoritative. <laughs> I just feel like I'm always like, hey, it's the show. Okay. Um, so I hope everybody had a great week. I had an interesting, crazy week. Uh, maybe I'll share some of it with you guys. Um, and obviously we're going to do some questions about guitars. I see some early risers came and left some great questions. I see some super chats already, um, all that stuff. So I'm pretty excited about that. And, um, as always, I want to thank uh, the moderators here. You can tell they're moderators because they have a blue, their name's in blue, and they have a blue wrench. And I also want to thank members. Members are in green, and they have a little Funko Pop of me. It's my charming uh, Funko Pop. <laughs> so uh, that's cool. And then, of course, I already saw it was a super chatted question, so I'll just tie it in. I was going to start the, the show with it because it was the big news for the channel this week. Let me go to the super chat that had it so I can give them credit. And I'm pretty sure it was Grumpy Mike Guitar who said, congratulations, congratulations for 1 million, 100, I can't even do it. See, I did it, <laughs> 1 million, it's a lot. It's a lot, it's a number, I like. I had to double check it a couple times. Ready, one more time. 100 million views. Your channel has gotten 100,072,000 views on this YouTube channel. That is a insane amount of views. That is you guys. Thank you so much. I don't even know how to explain that. It's so crazy. Um, 100 million. I had to double check it. I was like, I was even when I was posting it uh, this week, I had to like confirm the number, look again and go, how many, how many? How many zeros do I need? Okay, that's is it. Okay, that's not right. <laughs> so 100 million views, and then it gives me more stats. This is so. This is YouTube that gives you this information. I just thought I'd share with you. And uh, here you go, some cool stuff to know. So the first thing they told me is that I have 100 million views. The next thing um, you can see right here, I I pinned it. The very first video I ever released on YouTube says it was on May 24th of 2014. That's not accurate. The video was actually posted on May 20th of 2014, but 19 views is what I got four days later. So that's the first time I ever registered. This is registering the views over the years. And as you can see, based on my views here, um, I posted a whopping seven videos in 2014. Uh, I could definitely say I was not uh, a YouTuber. I wasn't even trying to do anything. They're just, just random videos I threw up there on YouTube in 2014. In 2015, get this, I put up almost 15 videos the year, uh, throughout the year. So not even one a month. <laughs> or no, that is one month. Okay, so a little over one a month. A little over one a month. Um, and then I remember, I remember, in, I remember it well. I remember in 2015, I got a thing. I'm just sharing the story because it was funny. Now it's funny. At the time, it was weird. I remember getting an email from YouTube in late 2015. Um, no, I'm sorry, 2016. I'm sorry. I got the email in June of 2016. I got an e email from Google slash YouTube said, you need to monetize your channel. And, and it said that people that monetize their channel see that they get more views and they make money. And I thought, scam, delete. <laughs> I remember showing it to my wife. Look at this stupid scam, delete. And then my wife's like, okay. 
And then a couple days later, I got another one. Boom. And I go, well, let me let me see where this is coming from. So I kind of looked at the email address and I go, well, it looks official. I'm like, let me click on, you know, I, I found a source. I clicked on it, you know, just to see safe what it said. And it said it was a uh, Google AdSense. And it's like, oh, set up your Google AdSense account here. And it says that every time you get a view, you'll get like, I don't know, a fraction of a penny, and I, which is not true. You don't even get a fraction of a penny per view. Um, and then I was like, okay. And uh, this is actually how the channel kind of started in the idea that <laughs> I, I said, okay, I'm going to do it. And uh, I'll never forget this as long as I live, obviously. And uh, this is what happened next. Uh, YouTube started tracking as they do and kind of giving you monthly, you could look at you, how much money you made. And I remember, I'll never, I'll never forget this. I can't tell you the month, but it was in late 2015. So not quite Christmas time, but around that time. I remember seeing like, um, uh, I saw uh, I, I had money you know, in the account. And I showed it to my wife and my wife looked at it and she said, wow, that's what you spend a month at Starbucks. And I said, yeah. And she goes, you know, if you made that on YouTube every month, I wouldn't complain about how much coffee you buy. And I remember thinking, wow, this is amazing. You mean if I make videos on YouTube, I can drink all the coffee I want. Cause I liked, you know, going and getting a coffee versus, you know, having to use the coffee pot at the shop. And uh, and that was my sole purpose <laughs> was I, as honest, I swear this is hundred percent true. I said my sole purpose in life to make YouTube content for people to educate them on guitars was so that it would pay for my coffee at that point before I was just doing it for my friends, <laughs> I was just doing videos to my friends, Matt and stuff and would watch it. And then, and then once I was getting paid on YouTube, I was like, Hmm, if I could make coffee money, making videos. There's something here. And I thought that was cool. So there you go. And then, uh, um, <laughs> uh, so I thought I'd share with you. That's what, that's where it is. That's the inception of the channel. Why do I share with that? Because I know, again, a lot of you uh, have little uh, YouTube channels that you're starting up. Some of them bigger YouTube channels are starting up. We all started somewhere. Mine started with 19 views. And if you look at the view chart there, right, you can see how long I went. I mean, I went a little while. Now, I will always say this because it will show you the category of 50,000, 100,000, 150,000 views. You will see that it did kind of just pop. So that's what happened. At some point, the channel popped. What I, I love about the channel, and then I'm going to get off my whole channel talk, but this is a milestone for me. This is a bigger thing to me than uh, 100,000 subscribers. So you guys know. I even told my wife, I wish I got a plaque for this and not the subscribe subscribers. To me, it's crazy like 100,000 subscribers seems like a crazy thing to hit and uh you know you just can't really you know kind of you know think about it that way but 100 million views I don't even know how to translate that into any kind of logic it doesn't feel uh like it makes sense <laughs> it doesn't actually make anything but uh uh what's interesting what was I I got on a whole tangent got off it I was back on this chart oh I'm back on the chart if you notice one thing that I felt very lucky and fortunate about is this channel's never been big it never got huge I never got like millions of views I never got millions of anything and I kind of love that because you can see I just hit a sweet spot and I just stayed there if you look all the years I've just stayed making about a million views a month I make on average about 1.2 to 1.5 million views every month I've done that forever that's a lot of views it's not crazy YouTuber views, but it's a lot of views. And it's, again, a te a, 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 it's a testimonial to you guys because unlike all the channels, and I mean this, this is honest, 
truthful, <laughs> truthful as I can be. Unlike all the channels you hear constantly saying, just so you know, 70, 80% of the people watching my videos aren't subscribers and you need to subscribe. Uh, I have the opposite. 60, 70, 80 sometimes percent, but on average 65% of the people watching my videos are my subs. You guys just come out and hang with me all the time. I appreciate that so much to the point where even though there's thousands of you, I kind of know all your sign-ons. So there it is. That was my whole 100 million. Thank you, uh, Grumpy Guitar Mike, or Grumpy Mike Guitar. I'm sorry why, I don't know why I can never get it in the right order. I never thought of, <laughs> I don't know if I have dyslexia, but I kind of feel like it every time. Grumpy Mike Guitar. I always want to say Grumpy Guitar Mike, and then, and, and then when I say Grumpy Mike Guitar correctly, I flip it again and go, maybe that was wrong. I always feel like I have it wrong. So uh, that's my big uh, thing for the week. So that was pretty cool. That offset the uh, rest of the week for sure, because the rest of the week got a little haywire and crazy and wasn't a great week to begin with. But uh, this definitely kind of br brought it in a little bit, especially since I wasn't slotted to hit that number until July. Oh, it is almost it is in July. It is July. But I mean, the end of July. So so like I said, it was going to be after my birthday, not before. So this is my it will be my birthday present, early birthday present. Um, yeah, I'm not old. I'm vintage. That's a lot of views for a humble uh, dump truck driver. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, I'm just going to share this with you guys. No, I spent the last two years. I don't have a car. I didn't have a car for the last two years. I decided to buy a car again. So I bought a truck. And the reason is my daughter got a part-time job and the car situation's changed a little bit. And I go, okay, I told my wife, I'm going to buy a truck. This was months and months ago. I was looking at trucks. It's impossible to buy a vehicle right now. As you guys know, I happened to just go onto a dealership and, uh, and I was looking at something and, and the salesman mentioned that they had this truck in the back that they just got. And it was the one I was looking for. And, it, and this is why the week worked out really great. So I bought the truck. So it should be an exciting time because I just bought the truck. And then I hadn't, I don't even have the, uh, <laughs> the permanent tags. I barely had the truck for any time. And somebody already dinged my door, even though <laughs> I was parking everywhere far away. Cause I didn't want my, yeah, anyways, not a big problem. As I told my wife to have, I would rather have a new truck with a door ding than not have a truck at all. So it's uh, you got to look at the blessings when they come. But geez, I was like, man, it's like <laughs> what are they just gunning for my truck? Like new paint job, bam. <laughs> so, um, so there you go. So then, so in the same day, I got the door ding, and I was like, oh, that sucks because you know, like I said, is real. I barely put any like you know any mileage on it. Um, I uh, I got the news about the hundred million. <laughs> see when I say 100 million I'm like I'm always stopping myself like 100 I mean 10 I mean it's 100 100 million views okay yeah free relicking on your truck well at least you get a truck and a scratch and dents on the truck are, are gonna happen I just kind of was hoping to have my actual tags and plate on the truck before <laughs> before somebody started smacking it and it's a it's a ding man somebody hit it like they hit it um uh, it wasn't like, uh, they, somebody walked away going, I don't know if it did it or not. I mean, it was like they hit it. Um, okay. Uh, let's, uh, let's get into some early riser questions. Let's get into some guitar stuff. Cause that's what we're here for. We're here to talk, uh, see what Edgar, Edgar came, he was first and he said, Phil, wondering if you had 
If I had to pick between the Fender Blues Junior 4, he means the fourth edition of the Blues Junior, just like the Hot Rod Deluxe. There's different editions. They're up to four. I didn't even know they're up to the fourth one now. Last I heard, they were up to the third, but they're up to a fourth, apparently. Uh, so the fourth edition of the uh, iteration of the Blues Junior. He says, would you pick that or the are the Supro Delta King 12? Which one would you choose and why? Thank you for sharing your knowledge and opinions. Sure. Let me give you uh, a couple of things to note. Um, the Delta King wins in a couple categories and the Blues Junior wins in a couple categories. And I'm going to tell you where they win for me. Uh, the Delta King, in my opinion, playing both of them, I like the Delta King's overdrive where the Blues Driver is not an overdrive I really particularly care about. It's not something I like, like hate or, you know, I like it. I have, I'm indifferent. I don't really care about it. I don't use it. I use it as a pedal platform. I love the reverb on the Blues Junior, the Blues Junior aesthetically. I like the way it looks. Um, the main takeaway for me on the Delta King, especially if you're talking about like the purple one that I reviewed from Sweetwater, man, I was really drawn to the way it looks. Some of you guys are going to hate the way it looks, but to me, the Blues Junior kind of seemed a little boring, especially in the black vinyl. So this seemed a little bit more exciting. I liked overall, I liked the features and options that the Delta King gave. And I liked the tone, the clean tone on them both, but I think I liked it on the Delta more. That being said, uh, the Delta King... I think is made in China and the Blues Junior is made in Mexico. Of course, I prefer the made in Mexico over made in China. Look, there's just there's just a logic to this. Um, and uh, although I don't have a particular problem buying from any particular region, um, I prefer to buy in my own country or in countries that work with us really well. So that is an appeal of that. And of course, Fender warranty is a nice thing because it's a very a good warranty. But that being said, I have found myself not buying Fender anymore. In fact, I used to always buy Fender. In fact, if you watch this channel for years, for many years, I was a Fender guy. In fact, oh, there is, there's one. I was gonna say, is there even a Fender behind me right now? There's one Fender behind me. Um, and I found myself over the last few years, especially during COVID, not enjoying my Fender purchase experiences. I've had uh, a lot of not great ones. And so it's kind of like, you know, that's what happens, kind of wears the brand off. So I haven't really been talking about Fender a lot lately. I haven't been buying a lot of Fender for the channel. Um, and and like I said, and me particularly, I haven't been buying, buying any Fender. So, so that's the thing. And so I've been looking for other alternatives. I just feel like Fender's quality assurance has been dodgy since COVID. And so it makes me a little nervous. I feel like I get a lot of stuff and I'm like, I'm just dealing with issues. That That's another reason why I kind of prefer the Delta King. But overall, the good news is I think are both are great amps. And I think one nice thing about the Blues Junior, but you said specifically the fourth edition, but one thing about the Blues Junior I do love is you can find them used all over the place and they're going to work. So that's what's really good. The other thing is there's also, unfortunately, a stigma been put on the Blues Junior, and I don't really care for it, but I just want you to be aware of it, which is it's kind of like this dad rock amp kind of thing. And of course, I don't mind the dad rock thing. I support the dad rock hat or dad hat, and I don't really care for that stuff. But I just want to let you know that's another factor of why it, it's, I feel like the Delta had a little bit of a excitingness to it, excitement to it that I really liked. So there you go. Um, if I could have come up with any justifiable reason to buy that Delta uh, King, I would have bought it. I just couldn't. I was there, trust me, at the show. I was like thinking about it going, I really, because I've told you guys before, to get an amp, I have to get rid of an amp. And I just don't have an amp to get rid of in a small combo amp. I only own three small combo amps. And I just don't know, you know, if I'm ready to get rid of the Princeton first, the Delta King. And that's what it would mean, mean for me. 
So we'll see. We'll see. Also, <laughs> also, because again, I like to give you guys all the information. Um, the Supro guy whispered in my ear, sweetly, mind me. No, he said he whispered in my ear. Um, I mentioned to him off the cuff. I can't tell you guys this, but I can tell you this, the conversation at least. I said, "There's an amp you used to make, and I really, really love it. Too bad you don't make it anymore. I've always regretted getting rid of mine." And he said, "Guess what? We're bringing it back." And I was like, what? And so that was another reason. So, but I, I want to be, uh, let you know that amp I can, I can imagine is not going to be as inexpensive as this amp. So that was another reason I'm like, okay, maybe I'll wait. <laughs> maybe I'll wait. I would really like the Delta King in a head, which would be really, really cool. Cause that's how I save room with amps. I can just have heads and run them through one or two cabinets and I don't have a whole lot of room here. So that's, and I, and I refuse to <laughs> expand the, the size area for more gear. It's just not worth it to me. Okay. Another early riser question came from Chad who says, how can I tell what size fret wire is on your guitar? Is there a tool to measure them? The tool I use is a cheat. I use the Stu Mac um, caliper and uh, you could probably use a other calipers, but Stu Mac one specifically has a thing for fret wire, which is very nice. Uh, it has a, uh, well on the guitar has a way to measure it vertically, but on the side, they cut a little notch in there, which you could do yourself, but it's already done for you. And calipers are pretty expensive anyway. So it's not like theirs is, you know, theirs is expensive, but it's not like you're going to find a smoking deal on a caliper anywhere. Even Harbor Freight calipers are pretty pricey. Um, and uh, it has a little notch cut into it for the blade on the fret wire, which is a really, really cool thing. And I will tell you, that's why that caliper, there's a few Stumac tools. And regardless, irregardless of what you feel about Stumac tool pricing, there is a reason why there's like five tools. I could do a video if I wanted to. Five Stumac tools that is on every single Guitar Tech and Luthier and Factory Workers bench. And it's because they just are the right things. So... That's the one I would uh, check out. Uh, and uh, maybe I'll put a link when I index the show at the, uh, at, the, at the end of this. Okay. Um, okay, hold on a second. I want to do another one more early riser question. Let's see what I got. Um, Happy Go Lucky uh, said, thoughts on the price fixing lawsuit against Fender. Isn't that just how business is done with MAP? MAP meaning minimum advertised pricing. I'm sure this was count, uh, done on countless channels. I saw even Guitar World had put an article to it. Any chance of seeing actual change in online sales practices? So I'm, I'm going to recap so you guys know, just so we're all on the same page. You guys probably saw that Fender got in trouble in the EU for price fixing. They got sued. Uh, this is from 2020. Uh, when they got fined, I think. Again, this is all off memory. What it was really, what it's coming down to is um, it's the MAP. It's the price fixing is the standardized pricing. So what happens is, is in the industry, they use something called MAP and uh, a lot of industries use it. I'm going to speak about the US side because the European side, I'm not very versed in and it doesn't really pertain to the majority of the audience, even though a lot of you are from the EU, the majority are not. So it's it's a definitely 70-30 split. So um, that being said, I even heard, by the way, on a side note, I heard they're thinking uh, about uh, awarding, awarding, awarding um, like funds to the people who overpaid from this. So some people in the EU might be receiving some kind of check at some point for 
because you paid over price, you paid for too much for the for the product. So the map thing is a very interesting thing. It's something I've discussed many times. A lot of companies or a lot of YouTubers talked about it. A lot of stores talk about it. Whether it's right, whether it's wrong, I I have a very my opinion is in the minority on this issue. Most stores really like map. I always hated map. There's a ton of reasons why I hate MAP. <laughs> the argument for MAP has always been in the defense of the fact that the big box stores, the big guys, will pummel the small guys into the ground. And um, it is possible and true. Again, I'm not saying just because I think one thing, it's absolutely right. But here's the things I don't like about MAP. Um, MAP, in other words, so basically back in the day, let's say, and we'll just use Fender because they're in this. So Fender would say, okay, guitar sales for $1,000 retail, $700 is map. That's street price. They don't really do that anymore. Now retail is map. And um, you can't advertise below this $700 price uh, threshold. Part of the problem I had was, well, this is what I don't like. That allows companies, in my opinion, to do some sloppy business. So for instance, let's say they make a bunch of products and one of them is not that great. They could go to the retailers because they used to use this as an angle and go, hey, uh, you could buy this product and don't worry, it sells for $700. Here's your margin on it. But the reality was some things you had to dis discount to get them out the door. That happens with everybody. And when the big guys have to discount stuff to get out the door, they get a little vacation from MAP. It's a suspension of MAP. So basically, you'll see it all the time. Companies email and they'll say, just for this weekend, we're removing MAP or we're lowering MAP. And they'll do it for sometimes all dealers, but sometimes for the big guys, they'll just do it just for them. And so that's my whole problem is the problem isn't that there is a MAP, but the MAP is now decided and set by the manufacturers. And the problem I, don't, the problem I have with that is, is I always use this as an example. There are things that don't have map. One of them is guitar strings. And if you look at guitar strings, it's a perfect, perfect example of what I'm talking about. You could go into a mom and pop store right now and, and look at a pack of strings that are maybe six, seven dollars. You can go on Musician's Friend and they have them for three, four dollars. Same, same strings, same with Sweetwater, three, four dollars. Because at the volume that those guys buy, they're almost the wholesaler at this point. They're buying so much of those of strings, they can lower them. The reality, though, is that when you walk in a mom and pop store, I believe you walk in and you see a pack of strings for a buck or two over. If you need them, you just buy them. Or if you want to support the business, you just buy them. You don't really kind of, you know, worry about it. And if you do worry about it, well, then you go, okay, I'm not going to get them here. I'm going to buy them online, buy them cheap, or buy them in bulk. And I find that is how I think business should kind of be decided, is that sometimes, uh, sometimes, it should just be decided you should be able to buy where you want to buy and not worry about who's who's holding to a price line. In fact, I want to give you a, an interesting argument. What if I said, and this is for argument's sake, what if I said that Sweetwater technically is the biggest violator of map in the world, okay? And here's why I mean that. Now, again, this is a scenario. I just want to run the scenario by you. Let's say Guitar Center was willing, and because they were, forever to undercut any small mom pop shop. There was a time, as you guys all know, anybody who's been in this market for a long time knows, there was a time where you could go to any store, I don't care what store, walk in, get a price on, let's say, this Les Paul, walk that price down to Guitar Center, and Guitar Center would beat it, even if it meant they would lose money. They would beat it. They would beat it. If you could get, if you could get a store to quote you like cost on a Les Paul, Go to Guitar Center. Back in the day, Guitar Center would just go, okay, we're going to beat it. They would just beat anybody's price. They didn't care. They were going to gobble up the market, their market. Okay. Now, 
That was a one-on-one -on -one deal. They wouldn't advertise that deal. And that's where the map, minimum advertised pricing comes in, okay? So we knew Guitar Center because they used to run ads. And I'm just using Guitar Center as the analogy and I'll use Sweetwater as the other analogy for this. So Guitar Center would say, we'll meet or beat any advertised price by an authorized dealer. They say that knowing that no authorized dealer can advertise a lower price. What a bold statement. Everybody gets to say that, but Guitar Center got to put enough advertising muscle to put it in our heads. You know who has the cheapest price? It's Guitar Center. They'll meet or beat any advertised price by any authorized dealer. Well, so would any other dealer right, that's authorized. But again, they couldn't advertise a lower price. So here's why I say in the theory, I could give you a, a theory uh, or a, a scenario where technically Sweetwater found a loophole. Well, I can't discount a Strat. Let's use a Strat since Fender's on the discussion today. A Fender Strat, like I said, let's say it's $1,000 retail and it sells for $700. This is outdated because like I said, now they only use ra uh, retail and maps the same. So we'll just keep it the same, thousand bucks. Let's say a Strat's $1,000. No one can advertise it below $1,000, but Sweetwater advertises that every guitar comes with a 55 point inspection. They come with pictures. They actually take actual pictures. They weigh the guitar. They add these services that, as you guys know, I recently went to Sweetwater. Those services do have a cost. It's probably about, seems to be about $30 per guitar if you factor in all the costs, right? So Sweetwater is essentially, if they sell you a guitar, let's say a Strat for $1,000 and you buy it direct from Fender, because I'm just using them as an example, Sweetwater is cut into their margin with a bag of candy, Silly enough, hey, it's candy, it's a value, it's a discount, it's something, right? Let's say you really like candy. <laughs> Maybe you have an addiction to, to sweet tarts. And <laughs> But hear me out. So you get a bag of candy, you get some extra services. Like, like I said, they inspect the guitar, they put a light setup on it. They don't really do a light setup, but they do kind of make sure the guitar is in playing condition. At least what their, their goal is to do that. Essentially, your perception is that Sweetwater has a better value for the same dollar. That's an, that's undercutting. That's violating the map in that technical logic of everybody's supposed to be the same price. This is uh, actual true to some extent. Here's why. Did you know Mesa Boogie used to have such a strict map policy? Some of you will remember that even though Sweetwater, Sweetwater was a Mesa Boogie dealer online, and it has changed because Mesa Boogie's policies changed. But Mesa Boogie's map policy used to be so extreme that free shipping was a violation of the map. So uh, let's see how many of you remember. There's a thousand of you watching. You guys remember it wasn't that long ago. So a few years ago, you could go to Sweetwater, get free shipping on anything. But if you picked a Mesa Boogie product, it would add in shipping because Mesa Boogie considered giving free shipping away is a violation of map. Well, think about that, <laughs> right? So Guitar Center and, and Sam Ash and and Sweetwater can now give free shipping, but maybe your your small mom and pop there they have to you know they can't match that because the shipping's expensive on a guitar. It's a it's a hundred dollars now a guitar. So now think about Sweetwater. They're discounting the hundred dollars in shipping. I know a lot of the small mom and pops do discount the shipping too, but you understand what I'm saying. They're discounting the shipping. They're giving you a bag of candy. They're inspecting the guitars. They're taking actual pictures for you. There's this value added that is a violation of the map. So the reason why I say I've never liked map is, is because everyone always looks at it as such a very one mindset way of like, okay, you can't discount plus a, below a price. Um, and so, you know, every company has different rules about their map. Okay. So some companies do consider free product, a violation of map. 
for instance, uh, if you said, okay, this uh, this microphone comes with a free cable, there are com- there are microphone companies that would consider the free cable a violation of MAP, so you can't get free product. But as you see all the time, Sweetwater does that. So does so does Musician's Friend. Again, I'm, I know I'm picking on Sweetwater a little bit, but I'm picking on Guitar Center. I'm trying to pick on all the big box stores because they're big big companies. They can they can take it. So um, a lot of them do that, right? They'll package up some stuff and they'll give you some free sw- uh, swag and stuff. Maybe some shirts or cables or picks or stuff. And so that's a technically that's them beating map. And that's why I said I think at this point I think everybody should have at it. I think the big concern has always been what happens if one of the big guys basically drops the prices to where the mom and pops can't survive. What I've always said is, well, then the mom and pop should stop carrying that product, <laughs> right? First of all, I don't, I, this is a new world and it needs new rules. And one of the new rules, and I just talked about this just a few weeks ago with mom and pop stores. I think there's only three ways for the mom and pop stores to survive in the new world. Either become focused on the service aspect, which is going to be lessons and repair, really hone in on that because that's something that doesn't, isn't more than just your area codes. So you don't have to worry about that. Become an online entity and become very effective selling unique things or do used, right? Those are the three areas I think you can succeed. Uh, based on my experience working with the mom pops and the big chains and seeing how they all operate, I would not want to do anything other than those three things, knowing what I know about the big chains and how they are, how they work with Google, how they work with Google Analytics, how they work with YouTubers, how they work, just period, that's what I think yeah, everybody should focus on. So I think MAP should uh, go. Not to mention, I've said this before, in 2009, I think I told you guys, well, I know I told you the story. 2009, I was flown out to Maryland to see Paul Reed Smith guitars. I was one of a few dealers sent there. I was, And uh, one of the reasons I was sent there was, was Maryland outlawed MAP. I think MAP is still illegal in the state of Maryland. So a company like PRS cannot have MAP. Or at least they couldn't for that time period. I don't know if they found loopholes, but uh, they couldn't have map. So think about that. States might just outlaw it altogether. And if you happen to be in one of those states like Maryland, then you can't use it anyways. Honda says, <laughs> I think it's funny. Honda, Honda says, why do stores agree to map? Well, first of all, a lot of stores believe it's protective. I, believe, I believed it was protective as a dealer. I would be like, oh, and... Um, and then you realize, like, it doesn't really protect you because, like I said, uh, it's, I mean, companies, like I said, Guitar Center would, Guitar, when I was, when I, what I would have to deal with was always Guitar Center. We'd have a product in stock and Guitar Center would violate the map and we go, well, how can they violate map? And it was because they would buy enough of it that they could get map removed for a short period of time or at all on a product that wasn't selling. Remember, map only matters. And if anything's proven this, COVID has proven this. Map only matters on stuff that you can't move because the stuff that moves just moves as we, you guys have seen it. They come out. How many times in the last two years have you guys seen a product that came out and then immediately sold out and it was immediately sold for way more used than new. You think anybody was worried about map? <laughs> they were like, no, they were right. They were going to sell them for, cause they were hot sellers. So, um, so that's one reason, but a lot of stores are, are agree to map because that's, you have to agree to things to get these brands. And let's be fair again, not everybody is going to have the same mindset as me. So this is just my mindset. My mindset is brands used to make a store that doesn't exist anymore. You used to walk into a store and, oh, thank you, Susan. She says, uh, yes, it's still illegal in Maryland. Thank you. Cause I, and I got a funny, so since she said it's true or still true, I'll, uh, I'll tell you the funny story in a second about what I said to Paul Reed Smith about map in, in Maryland. Okay. Um, but, uh, 
if I don't get, if I didn't get totally lost now, track of mind on the other thing I was talking about. Um, yeah, let's just go to that because <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to be able to keep track. Um, when I was in Maryland, I remember sitting there with a bunch of big retailers, big retailers, not the chains, but the bigger retailers uh, that you guys would know. I, and we were sitting around a table and Paul said, what would you do tomorrow? Because he hadn't told us yet that they were that Maryland had outlawed map. He goes, what would you do tomorrow, tomorrow if there was no more map? How would you price your guitars? And I said, oh, I would open the musician's friend catalog and then whatever they were priced at a musician friend, I would just match that. And I go, that's all what we all do, right? And the whole room looked at me like, yeah, this guy's an idiot. <laughs> right? They were like, nope. And I'm like, and I go, none of you guys have a musician's friend catalog in your stores. Right? <laughs> right? And they're like, nope. I'm like, are you kidding me? The entire industry was trying, it was chasing Guitar Center and Music's friend forever. <laughs> right? This is absolutely true. It was true. They were all chasing it. So I remember saying that. And then slowly over time, each one in the discussion would be like, well, yeah, we, we check musicians, friend. <laughs> I was like, right, everybody was. Because that's how you would check to see what a deal was. Uh, you'd be in a store, I remember. You'd be in a store, and that was the first th place you would look for something. If you saw a price tag on it, you'd go to musician friend and be like, oh, okay, what do they have in a musician friend? Because you knew there were prices were usually the most aggressive. So um, so there you go. Uh, and again, and, and like I said, I've heard a lot of arguments, and they are valuable. Uh, valuable arguments, but they also viable arguments about why map is important. And I don't think all maps should be abolished. I'm just saying I can see where a lot of things don't need map in, in my opinion. So I don't, I don't know. And like I said, and there is different levels of map. And like I said, how extreme it gets. Um, there was a company that I dealt with that was a small boutique company and their map was so extreme that if you were a customer and you ever needed repair work, for warranty, you would have to disclose what you paid for the product. And that's how they were figuring out if the dealer had violated map. And they tried it, but it didn't work. They were trying to tell one of my customers because I violated map. They weren't going to warranty the product because they said, because he didn't sell it as the new price. It's not considered new. Um, like I told you guys, I, I always smile, but I do have a temper and I they definitely got it that day. And the problem was fixed because I was like, there is no way. <laughs> and so if you're curious how I fixed it, here's how I fixed it. I called him up and said, I'm going to pay for the customer's repair. And then I'm going to come make you sorry and come after you. I said, I will not let you take advantage of the customer. The customer will be, and they were saying, we're not trying to take care advantage of the customer. I go, you are, I will take care of the customer. And then I will take, come and take care of you on this. I go, because the customer should not be involved in this. I said, I chose to give the customer a discount. They asked for a deal. I gave it to them. I don't really care. And then by the way, we we're no longer a dealer for that product. And so, you know, I really understand uh, the value of why they wanted a map, but I did not enjoy that particular thing. I know sometimes you guys are like, what company was it? I, I, it doesn't matter. It's always, it's just, you got to understand. And to be honest with you, whoever I was talking to probably doesn't work there anymore. Probably not even a policy anymore. So like I said, okay. That's why a lot of times I stay away from that when I tell you guys this stuff, because I've said this a million times. A lot of times you're dealing with a person at a company and my problem is with the person, not the company. So I don't, especially if if it was recent, I would talk about it. But when it's been years, I don't even know if the company thinks like that anymore. If the people making decisions make those decisions anymore. So I don't want to use old information. You know what I mean? I don't want to pick a company that t from 10 years ago and slam them today. It doesn't make any sense. But the story, I think, has merit and, and, it, and it holds true, which is some companies do act crazy and you got to be aware of it. 
Um, Richard, Richard says map should only apply to advertised pricing that a vendor funds the advertising for. Sure. Of course. And like I said, that's why I said there's different levels of how people enforce their maps and what they do. And, um, and, uh, that's why it's a, uh, a discussion why we're discussing it. Oh, and I want to say those last thing because it always makes me laugh. One time I was talking with a, a company about MAP, and I always, I'll never forget this. It was at the NAMM show, and they were saying, well, you know, MAP is to protect us because it's our products, and we work really hard to make these products. And their argument really made me feel bad about what I, how I thought because of the way they, they, they stated it, which is they said, you know, our products have value, and, and, and we don't want to be devalued as a manufacturer, and we want people to pay the right price because we worked hard for the right price. And I was like, yeah, I understand that. But then I immediately came back with, but if your products have value, why would the customer not want to pay it? That's my whole argument is that as a retailer, I don't want to discount anything I don't have to. So discounting is how I work with customers in a situation to win them over. That's why it's done. Like I said, like I stated earlier about the, the items that came out during COVID that took off like a rocket in seconds and then got sold for twice as much. They didn't, you don't have to worry about map. To me, every time, and this is why, like I said, about my hard line about this, every time I've ever personally dealt with map as an issue, it was over a product that really no one wanted. And that's what I hated was it was the map forcing this product that no one wanted to pay that much for. And they were kind of like artificially making you think that this thing costs, you know, should cost this when no one was paying that. So, but like I said, I'm not saying because I don't like map, all map is bad. <laughs> zombie guitar company says, my hat does not look right without the zombie guitar sticker. I agree. It did look, <laughs> it was crazy. I, you know what? You need to make a hat with a zombie guitar sticker. And then when I make hats, we'll do a hat swap. Okay. Huh. Uh, I, I don't understand. I, so I'm just uh, headless 97 said last week, you talked about affordable affording a boutique amp. I just got my first tube amp, a reverend hellhound only 1000 were made cost 450. That sounds really, really cheap. Good price. I mean, cheap. Uh, do you have any experience with these? No, I've never heard of them at all. Uh, but I, I, I want to mention it right now. So that way when I index this, I'll, I'll know to go look. Because, you know, who isn't looking for an affordable, good quality product? Okay. Um, okay, let's see if I got... Okay. See, geez, man. <laughs> their sign-on. Here's their name. Ready? Uh, the, 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 name, the name is C4SL4B4R4K. Yes, it says, uh, I bought a Music Man Majesty Monarchy from a store and had to wait a year for a $3,000 guitar online. They were 5K and all from J Japan. Did they, did they, did they buy the guitar by the year production or is it just a coincidence? I don't really understand that question. I guess Aries, your question is like, did they buy it at a different price point? I don't know. You know, I was never a Music Man dealer. So I don't have any like insights into music band. Um, 
the funny thing about Music Man was I contacted them. I, I love Music Man products. When I became a dealer, you know, had a store, and uh, when I contacted Music Man about a dealer, they didn't. They didn't at that time. Their policy was they didn't deal with stores. I think until like five or seven years. I think it was seven, but it could have been five years. My wife would know. I, I feel like I should, I should text her real quick. She'll know. Um, they, they That was their policy. They didn't deal with stores that weren't around for a certain period of time. And um, I remember like being really bummed. And I remember when all of a sudden, so you know, the rep or whoever I would deal with with Music Man, when the store became old enough to deal with them, he, they contacted me. And I was like, oh, wow. And then it was like in the middle of the recession. <laughs> was just the suckiest time it was summertime in the recession and i was like oh i cannot add an expensive line right now and uh so i that because of those uh, circumstances i never became a music man dealer so i don't really have any insight about how the dealers buy and stuff with them and how it even works with them but i would imagine it works like most companies but like i said companies do not follow the same rules as each other for a lot of the pricing and you know what i mean by that is a company like fender might hold say hey if you order today this is your price and even if we ship it in a year you pay today's price a company like paul red smith you can order it today but if they ship in a year you pay the new price just everybody has different attitudes about how that should work <laughs> Richard says for the tip jar because my wife and kids like you. Oh no, it just says wife. I don't know why I saw kids. I saw likes because my wife likes you. Thank you. I I appreciate that. Tell your wife she's she's awesome, and uh, thank you for having her double or triple my female <laughs> watcher group. <laughs> okay, um, let's um let's uh let's talk about some other questions. Mark says, Hey Phil, I got a Squire hardtail strat with humbucker single single. Any suggestions for some pickups? I'm looking for a good classic rock sound with pristine eighties type cleans. You know, to me, when people talk about genres, like when they say the fifties or they like the sixties tone or like the eighties tone or nineties tone, when you say that, I immediately always go to, man, if you want the tones from those years, just get the product from those years it's it's classic so to me if you think 80s when i think 80s uh on a strat i'm thinking demarzio you know what i mean you could say seymour duncan they were neck and neck around those times but i feel like for the first part of the 80s demarzio was really cleaning up because it was really like the 70s and the mid 80s demarzio was just like knocking it out of the park with with their pickups whether it be the super distortions or you know a later the tone zones i think the tone zone was like more of a late 80s kind of thing but you get this deal like those definitely had the sounds and then Duncan, you know, came obviously in this, and he he started killing two around that time. But that's what I would look at as those, and and some kind of loaded pick art of that. That's what I would say for those humbucker single single for '80s tones for sure. So that's just a suggestion. Fred, thank you for the super chat. I appreciate that. Ray's question was: Any tips for negotiating great deals on a used market? Sure. <laughs> uh, Yes. Uh, first of all, I've said this before, uh, in person, always in person is of the best way to get a deal. Always talk to people. You will never get a deal as easily talking to somebody as you will typing and stuff like that. It's because, you know, people are different in person. You, you know, you, you relate, you forget one thing that you, you should remember. I'm not saying you should, I'm saying you forgot it, but I don't know if you forgot it. The one thing I would remember is this. What's great about meeting somebody 
or talking to somebody, whether it's a store or it's a person on Craigslist or a person on Reverb, when you're buying something, don't you, you got to remind yourself, they love guitar and so do you. That sounds so silly, like, of course, but it's not always of course. If you're buying, you know, a used motorcycle, you don't necessarily have, a person may not love the motorcycle, <laughs> right? <laughs> they they might not love motorcycles. They might have given it a try. You buy a, you know, a, a, a well, I mean, sometimes you could buy a guitar from someone who tried guitar and didn't like it. But most cases, when you're buying stuff, uh, musical instruments, you're buying it from someone who's a musician who also loves musical instruments. And so that connection immediately means something to you. You know, there is so many people that will tell you this, and I definitely can tell you this too, that will say, oh, I gave them a deal because I could tell they really loved it and they were really going to use it. And there's just something about that. You know, um, I've seen friends that are, I told you I have friends that are really into cars, like crazy into cars, like I am into guitars, they are to cars, which, you know, they live in a different income level than I do. But they do the same weird thing. Like I could tell he really liked this car, so I let him have it for this price. And I'm like... And in my head, I'm like, I get it. I get it. For some reason, like if I have a guitar for sale and somebody says, man, I've been waiting my whole life to finally get this guitar. I can't believe you finally got it. I'm like, you know what? You know, here's a hundred bucks off and I'll, I'll throw in this case. You know what I mean? And they're like, really? <laughs> Even though they were already obligated for the right price. It's because you're just like, there's this feeling of that. So the first thing I would tell you if you're going to buy something used is... Even, like I said, even at Guitar Center, like I said, because remember, I, I always make fun of Guitar Center. I kind of bust their chops. But remember, not the employees. Go talk to the employees. They love guitar, too. That's why they're there. Talk to the Guitar Center employee. You know what's funny about Guitar Center? Guitar Center, is to me, is from you guys listening to the audience. I hear the same things I hear about Sweetwater, it, which is they don't give deals or they give great deals. And I've told you guys many times, look. I know it hurts, okay, when somebody says, well, I talked to them, they never give me a deal. I'm like, well, your personality and their personality is not working a lot alignment because they will give the deal, especially when you talk to them. Uh, I've told you guys before, Sweetwater reps are people, talk to the rep. Uh, you know, uh, I always call myself like, I gotta say sales engineer, sales engineer, but you know, sweet, the sales rep. Um, same thing with Guitar Center, you talk to an employee, you know, and um, they can take care of you. They can, you know, hook you up. And same thing with a person on Craigslist. And, and that's the first thing. So like I said, personal relationships, whether it be on the phone uh, or, or, you know, like I said, uh, in, in person, one-on-one, -on -one, they will help. Now, I know if you're on Reverb, how do you do it? I try to communicate as best I can through um, email correctly. And I use a lot of language. And some of you guys I've bought guitars from and you guys have been on Reverb because I know because every once in a while I go, is this the guy on YouTube? <laughs> it's always about the third message in. I'm like, yeah, I'm on YouTube. Um, and I'll res I always start with, man, you have a beautiful guitar. And then I tell them why I want it, right? Now, I don't bore people with the 10 paragraphs. You you know, no one's got time for that in their head. But to say, hey, like, hey, your guitar is really beautiful. Or, hey, this guitar is really amazing. Or, hey, you know, it's not, I'm not just doing that. I'm not just trying to, you know, get the score of the deal. I just want to start the, 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 the relationship, even if it's a short one, very pleasantly with, wow, this is a really nice guitar. You have a very fair price on it, right? In fact, I found telling them they have a fair price and then telling them that I want them to break that price doesn't really have a, they don't have a problem with that. Like, hey, this is a fair price. Um, one of the things I've done, my most successful thing I do for me and the way I negotiate, which is in a nicer way, I'm not very aggressive. And when it comes to used gear is I will tell them what I'm willing to pay. And I will also tell them that, especially if I'm not willing to pay anything more. So I'll say, hey, look, you have a really nice guitar there. 
I know you're asking $600. And to be honest with you, and I tell them the truth, like always the truth, whatever that truth is. So I'll go, Hey, I think you're, you know, you're, you know, it's a great price, but I don't think you're going to get it. Or I think you're going to get it, but it's going to take a month. Or you might sell it in the next three or four days. But if you want to sell it today, I will pay five. And I've learned talking like that. And they'll respond back with, yeah, I'm not going to let it go for five, but thanks for the offer anyways. And then every once in a while, you get that email two days later. All right, your five doesn't look so so crazy now. Or it's sold in five seconds later and I lost out on it. But if I lost out on it, that's on me because either I had to pay the right price and get it now or I lose out. So, um, so basically... That's some suggestions I give you on that. It's I'm always going to be more of the people and less of the, okay, use this you know term or use this. Um, and I find that works. Uh, what I find doesn't work is telling people why they're wrong or stupid, right? You know this thing's got a mark on it. You're never getting that price. Uh, especially in the new world of the internet, it's going to be even worse. They're just going to delete you or delete the stuff. Um, it's like I said, talking to people and being honest. Like I said, friendly and honest takes you a long way. It's like literally like I've my entire life has been based on that two fundamentals. Just be honest and friendly and see where they get you. And yes, I you meet a lot of assholes that way because they sometimes read you wrong. I sometimes honest and friendly gets read as weak. <laughs> they think they could take advantage. And so that's why I said my temper pops pretty fast because as soon as, you know, it goes the wrong way, I'm going to let them know like, no, 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 look, I'm just trying to be honest and friendly because I know it's just a good way to philosophy, but I'm not going to take your crap today. Um, but like I said, that's what I would, I would suggest to you as a, as a way to do it. Honda says, mention Phil's name for a discount. You know what's crazy is? I would say that is the craziest thing ever, but I hear it all the time. Uh, not with, not with random people. I wouldn't go to some random person crazily like Phil McKnight said, <laughs> you know, you know, they'd be like, who? But I've seen it like a constantly, uh, with retailers telling me like, oh yeah, they mentioned you. And I'm like, they mentioned me. And they go, yeah, they said, <laughs> I'm like, uh-huh. And, and then here's what they say. They go, so I gave them a deal. I'm like, you did? Why? And they go, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, Kevin just put, I enjoy, enjoy listening to you. My wife doesn't. Hey, you know what? Neither is my wife. So they could probably hang out, drink some wine, talk about how much they don't want to listen to me. <laughs> um, so anyways, uh, so that's my suggestion for that. Let's go to another guitar question. Um, the next guitar question uh, is going to be uh, Ray. Nope, that was Ray. We just did. Um, <laughs> slow, slow Indoro says, uh, did a super chat for the electric bill. Yeah. Electric bill sucks. <laughs> uh, Fred says new guitar day, guild starfire, starfire, DC, uh, guildsby, I think, uh, in slime screen. Oh, okay. Is guildsby like their, their Briz Bigsby? Is that what that is? It's a guildsby trim. That's what I'm taking from that. I could be wrong. Um, put on a roller bridge, lock inclusions. Got it totally dialed in today. Woohoo, man. You know, I love it. Obviously, new guitar day is always great, but I also love it when you do a quick couple of quick, you know, mods to make something play a little better or do something and it just works out really, really good. I, uh, I find, uh, I find 
that there's a great joy in that. What I find I always hate is like when you get something new, and that's why I always say you guys like sometimes wait for the mods because I'll get something and I like I love it and I go okay I'm going to put this mod on it and then it's worse. Whatever I did is worse, and I'm like this doesn't make any sense. This is supposed to make it better and it made it worse, and then you got to put it back, and then the whole time you're like putting it back, you're thinking I could have just saved this time. I could have been playing this guitar. So I'm glad it worked out for you, Fred. Jeff says Phil got Northern Lights. Oh, he got his Northern Lights already impressed. Just simple labeling inside the box and on the pickups. Yep, I keep it very basic. Uh, getting that info from others difficult. Uh, uh, yes, yeah. That, you know, so you know, he's talking about the fact that inside the box I put a little label of color codes and all that stuff, and I just put it in the box. That was a uh, customers had said that. Hey. Originally, there were papers, and they were shoved in the bottom, and I would get an email going, hey, I don't know how to wire this up. And I'm like, oh, the paper's at the bottom. And then uh, somebody sent back, because I was printing them in black and white. I don't know why. But they'd said the, na the names of the colors, and then somebody's like, it would be nice if it was in color. So that led to, like, yeah, just putting it in the box. And as you can see, I just cut it out, and I glue it on there, <laughs> onto the box. <laughs> that's the only thing I do, and it's that's why that looks janky. <laughs> Everything else looks nice because my wife did it. And the box looks all pretty. And then I shove this sticker thingy in there. And there it looks all stupid. But to me, it's function at this point. Inside, I just want exactly what you said. I just want you to be able to figure it out. Uh, eventually, we'll have something printed like that. There's That's the kind of the long-term plan. Um, uh, so anyway, it says, um, what pots do you recommend going to order some uh, order? Going in an older PRS-24, I would put 500K potentiometers, and then it's just the brand you like. Like, I like Borns. I like CTS. Um, it's just about what you like. Uh, Borns, like, they're, they're kind of a little fast, low-friction stuff's nice, and CTS nice, but 500K potentiometers to keep it easy. And then I included a treble bleed. There should be a treble bleed in there, and that's if you want to use it or not. Um, those come from Tone Shack, and I just like his treble bleeds, so I just started uh, buying them from him, and then I put them with every set of pickups. I ship out has uh, one of those in there. Uh, so there you go. I started doing that recently. Music Therapy Laz says, here's a fiver for the beer lately today. You know, I haven't had beer in like two months, maybe a month and a half. Um, I've been wine. I'm drinking like I, I'm sophisticated now. Just every once in a while when my wife has wine, I have wine with her. Um, but um, there you go. So I'm going to put that towards a wine fund if that's okay. So... Okay. Uh, Dan, <laughs> thanks, Music Therapy Last. Um, and by the way, I, uh, what wine goes good with hamburgers? <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, Dan says, what do you think about buying gear from Spiteful Ex-Wives? Oh, okay. I got some gear for a great price, but I felt bad when she said it was from her ex-husband's stuff. Yeah, you know, um, I've seen that happen in so many ways. If you have a retail store for any period of time, you'll have that come in, you know. Uh, ex-wives, uh, you know, I hate this conversation. Here's why I hate it. <laughs> Cause it's, it is, it's like a bummer. I, that's why I like, I, Dan, I love how you kind of brought it up. It's like, it's kind of a bummer to talk about, but it's, it's true. Um, I always laugh, uh, at this idea, but I, I once, one of my friends told us, he came up to us one time, I'll never forget this. And he goes, he, uh, he, he, we all had dinner together. He's like, we're gonna have dinner together. We have dinner and he, he it's a big deal to him. And he's like, I just want to let you guys know I'm getting divorced. And my buddy, my other friend to the right of me without <laughs> within one second goes, where's all your guitars? And he's like at the house. He goes, go get them now. We'll wait here. Go get them now. 
He's like, I'm not going to get him now. He's like, go get him. Get him out of the house now. Bring him to my house now. Bring him to the house now. Um, and I remember, like, at the time, not going, why? <laughs> and then, long story short, he ended up fighting pretty hard to get his guitars back. It was pretty nasty thing. So that's always kind of stuck with me as a, a sticking point. So what do I think about spiteful ex-wives? Um, I've seen ex-girlfriends. I've seen roommates, right? Uh, you know, I don't know, man. There's nothing you can do about it. It's kind of like I have a, I, I think that situation sucks, but if it's not you, it's somebody else going to buy it and you're going to buy it. That's how it works. Uh, it's not like you could find the person and be like, hey, I can buy your stuff back for you, <laughs> right? It's just how it goes. So yeah, but like you, I do have that same kind of thing. I haven't, uh, it, that, uh, that goes for so many things. Like when they have, when somebody passes away and they're selling off all the old stuff, you're like, such a weird, weird experience. Um, but you know, you just move on and you either, you know, you either do it or don't. That's how it works. Not my preferred way of buying a piece of gear, but it happens. Thunder Falcon says, I got an Epiphone Alex Lifeson Les Paul coming. Congratulations, Thunder Falcon. Says, I heard first run had bad quality control, had quality control issues. Has anyone else heard this? Please put in the comments if you heard that they had a bad run. It's possible. It happens all the time. You know, companies, uh, you know, first run had, can have issues, especially during COVID and they were trying to rush them out. It's possible. Um, but if anyone had specifically an issue with that, let him know. Slade says, is it usual? No. Is it unusual to fill the pieces in a multi-piece neck? Okay. This is a good question. So what he's talking about is he has, or what they're talking about is they have a neck, a multi-laminate neck, and they can feel the pieces because there's like one is like grain lift, right? It is not, is it unusual? It is unusual in other words, it's not common to have that problem, but it does happen. It's not uh, It's not something it should it should be that way. So in other words, what I'm trying to tell you is if you have a multi-laminate neck and you can feel the difference as, the, as you run the finger over, you can feel the lines where the wood is, you're not supposed to. So if it's a new guitar, you want to get that addressed. If you had it or if you bought it used or you have no way to re, you know, return it, exchange it, have it fixed, you have to do it, then I would need to know what is on there. My guess is if you're feeling it, there's either no finish or there's been a light poly or nitro thin coat shot on it, which is barely enough to cover anything. That's why you can feel it. And, and, um, you can fix that. What I suggest you do not looking at it is also do some research before you do this. Cause again, I'm doing this off of just reading what you have. I don't even know what kind of guitar it is, but one of the ways you can fix that is with a 3M pad or a, uh, uh, you know, a with steel wool, you can kind of blend that out. And that's a very easy thing to fix, depending on how extreme those lines are. Then by extreme, I mean, they're going to feel extreme, but sometimes you can tell. What I would do is I take my fingernail and I kind of rub it sideways to see where, if it catches, right? Sometimes it doesn't even catch and that's good. That means, okay, yeah, just blend it out. But if you can have somebody fix it, and if you're nervous about it, you can take it to somebody and they'll all blend it out and fix it for you. So it's not common, but it does happen, so and it's not supposed to be that way. You're not supposed to feel that stuff. You're not supposed to feel anything uh, when it comes to neck. Skunk stripes in the back of your uh, strats, none of that stuff. You're not supposed to feel any of that. It should be seamless. Okay, let me spend some time. I know the Super Chats, guys, I'm I will going to hit the main area of questions and topics, and then I'll, I'll have Super Chats for a little bit. For a little bit later, but a little bit. Um, 
Okay, hold on. It's funny. I, I that's why sometimes I, I gotta keep this screen up when I'm talking because you guys are talking about stuff I talked about about five minutes ago. So, so let me get to a new subject. Uh, Bruce wants to know when's the 55 point inspection video coming out. I released a pre-release to the patrons. Uh, I think the members got it, but I definitely gave it to the patrons. It was a first edition draft to see what I thought of it. And of course I sent it to Sweetwater to see if they had anything to say about it. Um, and they didn't have anything negative to say about it. They were like, Oh, this looks great. I think they said like suggest one thing to add to it or, you know I mean? More information, like give this piece of information too. Um, so it, it's just not done yet. I'm hoping the plan is to have it out next week. And uh, this weekend, you know, edit on it some more. Um, I'm just trying to make sure, like, with something like that, I just want to make sure it's, like I said, I don't think this is going to get views, so it's not about that. So there's no there's no way anybody's going to care about this except for a small group of people that, well, I think will be interested. But more importantly, I think this could be the video for a little while that you could go to and go, okay, at least I know how they're thinking and how it all works. And uh and uh, because it is unique. And one of the things I, I'm, I'm very, very aware of is that if I still owned a store and a YouTuber like me made a video this detailed or having access, this much access, access to Sweetwater, made a video like this, I would watch it. So I'm kind of predicting that I'll have a large amount of small mom and pop stores across the country or small dealers watching it to see how Sweetwater kind of does this stuff because this could be important to them to explain to their customers or to use as, you know, like explain why maybe their service is better, superior to Sweetwater. And so I want that information to be dead on accurate. Does it make sense? I want it to be like, I want somebody to, because again, I like Sweetwater, but I like small dealers too. I like everybody. I mean, all these guitars, like all these guitars behind me came from, there's probably 20 guitars behind me that came from at least 15 different places. So, I mean, I buy different places too, but I want this information to be useful to not only just curious people, but maybe in the industry, like somebody watches this and goes, oh, this is how Sweetwater does it. So when a customer comes in and says, because this has been my point of contention for a while, which is I, I don't want a customer to walk into a store and tell some somebody Hey, this is Sweetwater will do this for me for free. What will you do? Wouldn't it be nice to know exactly what Sweetwater is doing and what it is you're getting? And especially if you're the uh, on the other end of that. So So like I said, so it'll be this week. Um because it is done, I'm just chopping at it and stuff and I'll probably uh I got some suggestions to remove a piece and I'll put that in a different little video, but like I said, it'll be a very good video or very, you know. <laughs> somebody put dead on balls. Flippy do is like dead on balls accurate. Yes. Um, Chess Roots Love says, are the Facebook videos exclusive to Facebook? I haven't seen them here. So um, yes and no. So he's talking about the fact that I have videos on Facebook as well. And I have videos on my second channel. In fact, this week I released a video with Larry Mitchell, a good friend of mine, amazing artist, Grammy producer, winning producer. That went on the Film Ignite 2 channel. Um, so I'll, I already put a link. So if you guys are curious to watch that video, you can watch it. It's like an hour and 40 minutes of me and him just talking about stuff. Um, I told you guys I want to start putting stuff on the second channel. That is just more casual stuff I care about. That's not like I don't have to worry about producing because uh, the videos that I make, like the deep dive videos are two full day work days. And that's 
that's a lot of work sometimes for a video. It'd be like nice to knock a video out in like a couple hours and just put it out. Um, and then the Facebook videos I put out are a lot of them are the videos that you see on YouTube to just put on that format because there's people that watch Facebook, believe it or not, because there's places all over the world where they, you know, that's the only place they get their information is Facebook. Um, and, um, but sometimes what you're noticing now is um, what I will do with videos that I don't feel like fit this channel. Cause sometimes I make content cause I'm checking things, you know, just like anybody else. I'm willing to change and grow, you know, for every deep dive video that was a success or every Sharpen My Axe video that was a success for every Know Your Gear QA Live that was success. In other words, I get views and people team to gravitate towards it. I've put out a video that was just, it was a, a flop. It was stupid. And I mean, I liked it, but <laughs> like people just didn't engage with it. And so over time, I actually remove those off the channel. And sometimes they end up on the Facebook channel or on the second channel. Um, because again, um, I really would like it to where when somebody goes through the catalog of videos on this channel, they're all like content you, you, you want to see. That's why the second channel is going to be more just all over the place. And then Facebook's kind of a little all over the place too. I hope that makes sense. So there you go. Okay. Okay, let's see. Amanda said, Larry is an amazing player and even better friend. Dude, Larry's the nicest guy ever. He's there's a there's a few people that get that like that title of just the most pleasant person. It's Larry Mitchell, Robert Keeley. They're just people that you meet and you go, I love it because sometimes people peg me as like friends, it feels just so friendly. I, I think I'm positive, I'm positive and I'm friendly, but they're on another level than me. They're just they're just like literally they improve your mood. Uh, uh, Tim Pierce, you know, <laughs> will improve your mood being around him. <laughs> so that's what I can say about them. Okay. All right. I'm sorry, guys. I'm just... I'm just looking for questions. Fast Eddie says, so the second channel is where videos go to die? No, I, I don't think so. You know what it is? For me, it's, um, you know, it's funny is I posted a video about the Warwick factory on the second channel and it was because it didn't do well on this channel, but it's a video I loved. And, and that's why I understand why it didn't do well because it's a weird video. It doesn't really fit with the regular videos on this channel, but if anything, the Phil McKnight 2 channel I hate to say it, that's probably who I really am. I mean, you know what I mean? Like I said, you start out, when you start out making content on these platforms, you make content that you're interested in. That's what you do. You're just talking to a camera and talking about things you like. And over time, if you're lucky enough or fortunate enough to have anyone kind of chime in and watch it, right? Um, then they start having expectations of what they like about you. You know, in for instance, uh, they gravitate and go, you know what I really like is when you instruct or when you do this. And then all of a sudden they go, I like it when you do this. And and you can tell not only they say that, but they also, you know, react to it. And then you go, okay, well, I'll do more of that. 
it's no different than a musician saying, I write a song and I, I loved it. I wrote it from a mom and no one, no one cared. And I wrote this song and everybody loves it. So I write more of that stuff because, because obviously that's what people were interested in. And obviously you wouldn't do it if you weren't interested in it too, but it's not about what I don't do stuff. I dislike to do, but the stuff I really like to do seems to always fall flat and die. And it's because I get it. It's less interesting. It's less, uh, you know, to the point. <laughs> um, Fingers One says, saw you on Rhett's video. Yeah, I was on the Dipped in Tone uh, podcast uh, for the second half of the podcast. If you guys, uh, I put that on my social media. I'll link it here today on Rhett's video. It was a, it was really, really cool. I got to, uh, uh, that was the first time, I, that's the first time I got to meet a lot of the guys there. I had met Rhett once before, had a nice conversation with him um, a couple years back in 2020, but this is the first time I actually got to talk to him, talk to him, um, and uh, very nice guy, of course. And then, of course, I, I met Pete before, and I talked to Pete Thorne, and and, and uh, if you watch that video, what's funny about that po podcast is the original lineup of people, Pete Thorne was there, and I'm, I, tell, I think I may have said this, I can't remember if I was telling my friend this, or are you guys, you guys are my friends, but you, sometimes I can't remember what was on the podcast and what wasn't. Um, if you watch that video, Pete Thorne's up there, and at some point, he like points, and then he like waves, and then you see me come up on stage, and that's what he was doing, he's pointing, and and, and um, did I say Pete Thorne? I meant Tim Pierce, if I said Pete Thorne, I apologize. Tim Pierce did that, and uh, and uh, that's just because Tim's sweet. You know what I mean? He's a sweet guy. He just like knew. He's like, you know what? Phil, come up on the stage. You know, he wanted me to have some time up on the stage. It was a stage and they were doing this podcast. And so it was really, really nice to be, you know, that he's so considerate and thinks of stuff like that. That's what I said. You can't, you can't, you can't be around that person and not get a good vibe. Uh, you guys ask weird questions. Oh, Richard says they seem shocked that you know, I was a bass player. Everybody's shocked that I'm a bass player. So it's because, um, again, this is what I'm saying. You guys hang out with me every Friday. You guys know all kinds of stuff about me. Um, obviously, most people know. Most people, whether they're just a viewer or the industry, know whatever viral video I got once. Which, in my experience with the viral videos, are usually the least connected to me in any way. Like I said, because it's just something in the video took off and the algorithm loved it and then everybody saw it. And maybe in that video, I'm obviously who I am, but it's not like the truest form of what I do. Like I said, I don't have a bass video that went viral, so no one knows I play bass um, or that's my main thing. Um, and so, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, they wouldn't know. Just like Gibson didn't know. No one seems to know because it's not something we talk about very often. Uh, because like I said, when I talk about it, it lays flat a little bit. Okay. All right. Um, let's let's grab another topic. Here's another topic. This one comes from Warham Five. I'm gonna say new guitar day. Finally, a birth year guitar. 92. 92. Wow. 92 says custom 24 finish has gotten a bit cloudy on the edges is there a chance is there a chance it'll get of it getting worse yep and if so any cautions thanks there's pretty much depends on how cloudy it gets nathan once told me my and if you don't know nathan's my friend who works at fender custom shop he used to work at prs for many years and of course he worked with me at the shop um and uh he had to fix those sometimes or at least was aware of those what the cloudiness is 
in most cases, again, I haven't seen it, so I don't know. There's all kinds of reasons you can have hazing in the finish, but usually the cloudy, that very milky looking finish, like really, really milky looking finish on a PRS is the finish lifting off the wood. And I think he would use a super glue and a syringe and they would just glue it back against the body and press it against the body. That was one of the ways that, but again, I don't know if specifically that's your issue. What I can tell you, if it is a really special guitar to you, there is options. One of the things you can do is obviously take it to somebody and have it fixed, but you can send it to the PTC department at PRS and they can do all kinds of stuff, including re, re, not only refinish it, but they can also restore it and do all kinds of crazy cool stuff like that. It's going to be expensive, but if it's important to you and it's a birth year, I know one of the things I see here is that you, you, you're, uh, you're in a different country. So, I mean, that might be crazy to have to ship it to the U S and deal with all that stuff. But, um, the only thing I can tell you is yes, it could get worse. And, there is fixes for it, fixes to stop it from getting worse. But in most cases, most of them aren't going to work. It's just going to get worse. There's a reason why Paul Reesmith guitars have changed the finishes so many times in the years is that they've had little issues with that. You know, there's, there's just the reality of it. They tried different things and it didn't work the way it did or the way they wanted. So they tried different things. That's why they're using the nitrocellulose now is they said it works the best. So Pedaly, what's up? Pedaly says for the pedal with jar. Thank you. Sorry about the mess up. He said uh, mess up. He sent me an email and I I thought it was Zombie Guitar Company because I just saw a name and I was really just sometimes when I I, I don't get a, to re respond to a lot of your guys' emails and stuff and when you guys send me emails sometimes I will uh, jet just a quick thing back. I just want you to know that I at least saw your email or I was thinking, you know, you know, um, it has nothing to do with YouTube. I always think it's funny. Everybody thinks I'm busy because of YouTube. I'm like, that's not what makes me busy. <laughs> I, I have two kids. <laughs> I, have stuff, I have all kinds of stuff going on. So there's a, all the things in the world that happen to all of us is the things I have to worry about. You know, um, this week, this past week, I had to go out of town because uh, uh, to handle a problem. And then and then we had a plumbing issue. <laughs> And then, you know, I mean, so there's all kinds of stuff. I mean, that can take up your time. Plus, of course, I have other projects and workloads that I have to deal with. Uh, uh, Steve wants to know, do I have a video on how to roll a fretboard? Uh, what is the best method? You know, I don't have a video on that. And the reason I don't have a video on how to roll a fretboard is I've thought about making one a couple of different times and I will, cause it's come up recently, uh, three or four times. And I do track all this. When you guys bring up these questions, I track this It's like, you know, okay, this could help somebody. So let's do it. The, the trick is I feel like the only way I can do that video is if I do it to at least three or four different guitars. And I have to have those guitars that need that problem. I don't want to do one on one type of neck because even if I say 10 times, this is only for this situation, this neck, somebody will get confused. They'll just do it to the wrong neck. So I'd like to roll a fretboard on a couple of different necks and let you know how I would do that. It is not easy. <laughs> It takes sanding and polishing and it's not an easy process. And it sometimes, it sometimes it doesn't even achieve the goal you want. Um, a lot of people will show you a fast, easy trick to do it. I'm not a huge proponent of that, but you know, if you like, everybody's got their, you're, you're all adults. You can do whatever you want. If you want to watch a couple of those videos and try it, if it works for you, it works for you. But in the grand scheme of things, the way, only way I found to do it is the same way I've seen the factories and anyone else do it, which is a little longer, a little slower and the right way. And it, you know, so, which is usually always going to be some kind of sanding, which is what I'm going to do, but just, you got to know how to sand it and then polish and then get it back to where it was. It's all about getting things back to the way they were. Once you do something to something, uh, 
Litve. Hey, what's up, Litve? Did you get my email today? I hope for, I hope you did. Uh, it says, uh, look for a shark super sticker. There aren't any. Thanks. You know, it's funny. I, la- I laugh because last week I mentioned that I'm deathly afraid of sharks and that I watch a lot of shark videos. And then, man, this week, my entire like feeds from everything I watch, whether it be YouTube or Instagram or whatever, was just nothing but shark videos. <laughs> it's like, it's like, just because I typed, I'm sure it's because I typed in, I'm afraid of sharks on, see, the problem with my YouTube channel is whatever I type in my YouTube videos, they don't see that any differently than when you search stuff on YouTube. And all of a sudden that stuff comes, like that sometimes my own videos get suggested to me. It's like, you'd like this guy. I'm like, I don't think I would. <laughs> so I got a lot of shark videos this week and I watched them all, every single one of them. Like I, for no other reason, like I said, I am a truly addicted Kevin says, I enjoy listening to you. Oh, we already did that one. He said that's what his his wife uh, is going to hang out. And um, she's going to hang out with my wife and drink wine, hopefully. Um, Chuck says, hey, Phil, new amp, Milkman 10-watt tweed, and a Fender American Pro 2 Strat. Super excited. That's a beautiful amp and, and guitar. Should I put the Fender staggered locking tuners or Hipshot standard locking tuners on the Strat? I like hip shot quality better, but it's super easy just to put the um, the fender locking stagger tuners in there. So, I mean, it's up to you. I mean, obviously, you're going to have the ump plates from the hip shots, which are pretty straightforward. So, uh, so I'll just say this. Aesthetically, I think the fenders look a little nicer, but obviously, I love the hip shots a little bit more. I think they, they, they just work a little nicer, feel a little nicer. But not to the point where one is bad and one's good. Just I prefer one just a little bit more than the other. So... If you don't mind the plates and stuff, I hip shot. I think the hip shops are less too. They could be. Um, Patrick says, hey, Phil, thanks for all you do. Just got an Ibanez RG350 rosewood board with shark tooth inlays. The board is filthy. Best way to clean it. Sure. Um, well, some people just use uh, lighter fluid. Put it on there and scrub it all off. Uh, me, I'll just, uh, I just use just a little bit, and I mean a little bit of fretboard conditioner on a microfiber cloth, and I just go in and just, elbow grease just go in there and clean i mean if it's gross sometimes it's got dead skin caked in it and stuff and you got tar from nicotine um i'll scrape that stuff with a uh with a um, a razor blade so i'll scrape that all out that stuff just is aggressive you know and stuff and then sometimes what's nice at that point if i do that then i'll take something like a 3m pad or steel wool and just do the whole fretboard frets and all just wipe everything down and uh, you know scrub everything down and then just a little bit more at the end, just a little bit more fretboard conditioner, just enough to break everything up. Works really, really good. So nothing fancy, just usually a little elbow grease. Okay. All right. Uh, Jeff says, is it Shark Week this week or next week? I thought it was next week, but I could be wrong. Could be this week. That would also explain why the sharks came up. Okay. Hold on. I'm just looking for... Oh, uh, Richard says, Ukraine update. uh, Have your custom bases sold out. So um, let me... Can I share with you guys that? So I put links down below. I'm wearing the... 
uh, Know Your Gear, Ukraine, uh, which is Valiant. We're supporting Valiant guitars, so I want to be very clear. Um, it's This is to support the, the guys at Valiant Guitars. They made a limited edition Know Your Gear 27-inch scale bass, and uh, we did... Uh, we did an original original 10-piece run just for the patrons. So they got a special one, or not special, but they got, you know, certificates and all this stuff. And then um, and then after that, we let it open to you guys. It's still open. I think the plan was to go to the end of the month to see how many. If you go to Valiant, uh, their Facebook or their Instagram, they just posted a picture today of the 11 they're shipping out today. So if you guys have bought one uh, outside of Patreon, Except for Declan, because <laughs> Declan is in Ireland. If you were in, if you're in, if you're overseas in the EU area, they, we shipped it straight from them to you, so it didn't have to come to the United States and then go back. And then my wife is taking care of the shirts, making sure the shirt gets sent to you. Because if you buy a base, you're going to get a shirt. You would also get uh, uh, blind. I said those guys are criminals. The Valiant guys are criminals. I don't know. They've been really good to me. Um, the um, uh, they uh, they did the. Um, we did the certificates also have to get emailed to you guys. So you have that stuff as well. So that's how we did it. I was really shocked how fast they were able to get them done in this market that are in this you know time and all this stuff is really crazy. So yes, if you want one of the 27 inch scale bases, you can click the link down below and still get one. The, the, the plan is to go to the end of the month to make sure everybody gets a chance to get one. That's the best way I can kind of say it. I'm just looking to see if you guys have any questions about that. And like I said, I have links in, already in the description down below so you guys can see. Uh, Robert says he loves the shirt logo. Yeah, you know, uh, Joe at Rat Pack Records did this logo and sent it to me and my wife. And then I asked my wife if she would make it and uh, would do a shirt. And then um, I don't know how many of the shirts we sold because it's done through, you know, Teespring and stuff. And then, But at the end of the campaign, we'll send the money to, to Igor and the guys and help them. I mean, if you guys haven't watched that video, that video is a, a perfect example of, 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 of what I talk about all the time. It, it didn't get a whole lot of views, but the engagement on that is one of the highest engagement videos I have. In other words, more people watched that entire video than probably any video in the last 10 months of my videos, um, but less people clicked on it because of the subject matter, which was about a base. What it's about is uh, I did a limited edition run, as I do from time to time, like when we did the stands and stuff. Um, and we have another product coming soon that's uh, really cool. Big announcement for that. And... Um, what it is, is they built these 27 inch scale basses that basically lets you play a bass that feels like a guitar. And, um, and even though they had to build them in a, the new shop that they had to put together because their other shop got hit because it was next to the airport because they got eight cruise missiles hit the airport where they're at and destroyed their shop. And they still just moved down the road put together a new shop and started building guitars and basses again. And uh, they've been donating guitars and basses. Uh, Fred says he loves his mini bass. I love them. Dude, the mini basses are off the charts good. It's a really quality instrument. There's there's a reason why I talked to him about doing this. I wanted him to do something that, um, uh, I wanted him to do something that was truly different, that's something you wouldn't normally see. Like we could always do a guitar. We could always go to any guitar manufacturer. I mean, Valiant makes great guitars, don't get me wrong, but I can go to pretty much any guitar manufacturer and go, let's do a limited edition, know your gear, KYG, guitar in this color, this way. And then, you know, and then there's a limited amount of guitars out there. But to do this, you'll never see this. You're never going to see this. A 27 inch scale bass is just not something you're going to see every day. 
<laughs> and to have custom-made pickups that are, you know, the, to match the fretboard and the whole nine yards, custom-made hardware, the whole thing, the whole thing is crazy. Um, so. Uh, let's see. Hold on. I'm just looking at looking at comments. A lot of comments about wine. I should have not brought up wine. Apparently, apparently, a lot of people love wine. Okay, so let's go back and hit some more questions, and then we'll button up the episode. All right, we have. Chuck in music says, oh, no, we did Chuck. I'm sorry. We got to do Patrick. Patrick says, nope, we did Patrick. Radhi, I'm pretty sure I'm saying that right, says, I can't, can I get discounts by paying cash for used guitars at shops like Carter's? He means like, I'm sure you mean Carter's vintage guitars. Planning on a trip to Nashville to spend around 10K on guitars. Well, man, you are balling right there. So uh, can you get a discount for cash? I would imagine you could. I would imagine um, the uh, look, there used to be a time <laughs> where uh, like a lot of, back in the day, you have to be re people think it was like really recent, but it wasn't. It was a long time ago. Back in the day, you know, you could go into a retailer and go, hey, if I pay cash and they go tax out the door for cash and because uh, they could keep it off the books. It's almost impossible now. Everything's like a POS system. Everything's uh, automated. And uh, so they don't really do that anymore. That's definitely an old, old thing. I used to the reason I know that is because our store, we started with a computerized POS system. And I remember people like old guys would come in. I know I'm an old guy, but I mean, older guys than me would come in and be like, well, I'll give you cash and a deal. And you just, you would do it, but it would be, make no sense because you'd like, <laughs> they're like, I know you don't have to report this now. And you're like, everything's reported. It's in our POS system. And that's what the, that's what the account gets at the end of the year. Um, but there is some truth now, which is still that exists. One is credit card processing fees are real. So Paying cash can save credit card processing fees. So that's a real thing. So first of all, you can save that right off the bat. It's not a big deal. It's like 1% to 2%. Sometimes you might get 5%. Depends on what you're doing. But usually, you know, cash is always king. So yes, if you offer cash. I would never be afraid to offer cash. I told you guys, I bought my uh, Fender Custom Shop Strat, that one, when I bought it from Rainbow Guitars in Tucson, Arizona. I went down there. You have to make an appointment. So I go, I, me and my buddy Eric drove down there made an appointment. I didn't know you had to make an appointment. Thank God he went with me. We stopped in, if you remember, familiar with this area, we stopped in Casa Grande to get a coffee. No, it's a theme today with the coffees. Anyways, and uh, he's like, did you make an appointment? And I'm like, for what? <laughs> and he goes, well, if we're going down to Rainbow, you need an appointment. So he made an appointment on the phone. And then we went down there and, and uh, I said, uh, when I bought the guitar, I didn't ask for a deal. I told the story before. I said, when I bought the guitar, I didn't ask for a deal. I just said, hey, I can pay you three ways. I could pay you uh, PayPal, I could pay you on my credit card, uh, credit or debit, and I could pay you cash. And he said, cash is king. And I said, okay. And then he knocked, uh, you know, I don't know what it was. It, it was basically tax. I, it wasn't quite 10%, but it was close enough to where it felt like it. You know what I mean? So yeah, store is still cash is king. Offer cash. So... Johnny Hood says, hey, Phil, I saw you at Sweetwater. Most excellent. 
that, yeah, you know what? That was a crazy time. I think about it now. I was there so long. And then over time, it's all blending together because it was such a long, it was so long hours. But I, I like I said, I loved it. And I love meeting everybody. But man, just, whew, I think next time. I think what I learned from that trip was I'm going to stay late no matter what. So what would happen is in the morning, they would say, hey, we'll pick you up at the hotel at 7, 8, or 9. And then I go, okay. And I just get up every day and go be there at 7. And I learned like, no. <laughs> if I ever do it again, I'm definitely going the last bus of the day or last van of the day. Uh, 9 o'clock, the last van in the morning, I should say. Grasshopper says, cash is not always king anymore. This is absolutely true. Like I said, it's not always the case, but it's always, like I said, I like the way I say it, which is just, I ha I always, if I go to buy a guitar, I do always have cash if I go to buy a guitar. And I always say, hey, I have cash, I have credit, and I have PayPal, because uh, I can pay all three ways, you know. Um, and I mean debit, like credit debit. Or sometimes it's not even PayPal, just credit or debit. Either way, I say, look, I can pay with credit. I can Because here's why. In my world, if they're, if they're not going to give me a deal with cash, I, I can tell you exactly what I do. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of you do too. If if I go to somebody and I say, hey, is there a deal for cash? And they go, no. Or if there's a deal for debit and they go, no. I go, I, I put on my points card, man. I get points. So, you know, I'll get the, I'll get the discount from the points on the card. So, and, and so that's why like I said, I, it's, you know, it's however it works. Either way, I'll get something out of it. Scott says, Bitcoin. I don't even know. Is Bitcoin even worth anything anymore? I know nothing about it. I don't want to start anything about it. I know nothing about that stuff. So, okay. Yeah, Vaping, uh, uh, Vaping Fagan says, I use credit all the time and I get 2 to two to 3% back from my credit card. Yep, same here. Uh, okay. And then let's do one more question since we got a few more minutes. Let's do one more. Usually when I say one more, it means two more, but we'll try to keep it to one more. If you want to, if you're talking to me, put a question mark at the beginning. Okay. And, you know, this is a good one. Um, I'll go with this one. HK says, is it considered stupid to pay the asking price in a shop? You know, I love these questions because it's something I would have never considered. If I didn't have this weekly show, I would never thought so many people um, didn't know, you know, to ask for deals. I just assumed because, you know, but. No. Is it stupid to pay full price at a shop? Uh, no. There's reasons why you may want to do that. And believe it or not, I'm going to give them to you. So I, when I say believe it or not, I'm sure I'm hit, picturing my head like, what? But there are reasons why you may want to pay full price. Um, I'll tell you when I always decide to pay full price. There's times when I won't even ask for a deal, like, like I said. And I know I tell you guys most of the time I will ask because, again, I, asking is not a problem, especially if it's done politely. Like, hey, is there anything you can do? Or, hey, is there any incentive to, to you know, customer incentive sales or anything like that? Um, but a lot of times, like, if I think I'm like, okay, I'm on the fence. I don't even know if I like this. I may not want to in introduce a problem of negotiating when – 
I don't even know if this is something I might be like, I get it. I know. I don't know if I like it. So I'm probably going to return it. I don't want to put the seller through the hell of let's negotiate the price. And then I'm going to come back in two days and I don't like it. Like if I think, cause sometimes you just know, you're like, I, I'm willing to take a flyer on this and see if I like it, but I don't know if I'm going to dig it. So sometimes I'll, I won't even introduce the negotiation into that situation. Sometimes, um, I know the person, I know the store and I just like going to help them out. That's another reason why you might want to do it. You like supporting that business and you know what, you want them to be around for a few years. And sometimes, you know, you just, you know, if it's 30 bucks or 130 bucks or whatever it is in your pocket, and if you got, you know, doesn't really affect you, maybe I'll do it. Um, some of the reasons sometimes why I don't ask uh, for a price uh, discount. And again, in my world it might be different than yours in these cases, but I'm giving the reasons why I do it. Um, sometimes I don't ask for a, d- a discount, um, because I'm buying it with my company card because I have a business. So, and I know at the end of the year, it's just, you know, it's a legitimate business expense. For instance, I know I'm buying it for the channel or I'm buying it for my other business or some reason I'm buying it for business. And I know it's just, it's just the cost of doing business. And so why ask them for a discount? I'm, I'm going to probably write it off at the end of the year anyways. So that's another reason why I, sometimes I won't care. Sometimes I still ask for a discount because sometimes it's expensive, but most of the time I'll go, ah, you know what, if it's a true expense, I'll just leave it alone. So there's reasons why you don't do it. I know that's not what you asked. You asked, is it stupid to? It's not, it's not. It's not, but there's nothing wrong with asking a, someone who sells something to see if they will provide a better service, a better price or a better deal. There's <coughs> nothing wrong with that. Like I said, especially, especially to me, I always like to remind you guys, um, if you already kind of, you know, like, like the way, the way you're talking, like, should I not do this? Should I do this? Just do it. Why not? Like I said, I always do it politely. So, so there you go. That's the reasons why, like I said, you may want to ask or may not ask for a deal. All right. All right. As always, guys, I want to thank you guys so much for hanging out with me this, uh, this today, uh, this week coming up, like I said, I hope to have the 55 point inspection video out. I'm sure it will be out. Uh, there'll be a video on Sunday, which will be, uh, a pedal video. I know I don't do a whole lot of pedal videos, but I did a pedal video and I'm kind of excited about this one um, because it's not an expensive pedal. <laughs> it's like, I feel like, cause I don't do a whole lot of pedal videos. I tend to do the ones that I'm excited about. And most of the time you get excited about the expensive ones. This is finally one that's not like $200. So that's kind of nice. Nice little break. Something a hundred bucks or less is always nice. Um, and then, uh, and then there'll be another couple videos next week that are coming out that are, I'm, I'm pretty excited about. And, uh, and then, uh, I will see you guys next show. Some of you guys mentioned about doing a different time zone show. Sometimes we call this the European friendly time edition shows. I think I've got another one of those I planned coming up soon too. And I'll make an announcements on the YouTube platform uh, when I do, do that. All right. And then on the last note, Gene says, love the deep dive videos. Thank you so much. That means the most to me hearing that. Cause like I said, they don't produce any more views than the other reviews I'd used to do, uh, doing the longer format and editing it that way, uh, is double the workload and pr- produce no dividends. But every time I hear somebody likes it, I love them too. I love that style of doing it. It's the way I like it the most. Uh, it's the most, the I love it too. <laughs> so, uh, to hear that somebody likes, it makes me feel good because like I said, not everything's about how many clicks can you get? Sometimes, like I said, it's about the substance of the material, which is, uh, which is what matters to me the most is somebody enjoys the work you do that you put in. So, um, all right. Uh, thank you again. Thank you. I Wolf. Thank you guys. Uh, thank you for, uh, hanging out and I'll see you guys next time. And, uh, as always, thank you for your time. 
and uh, know your gear.